undeniable belief now. Um, before my belief in myself was shaking, we've been through that. Uh, this podcast was born from that. Um, you know, I'm just I'm just at an elevated state of of mental being right now. Like I, I'm I'm in the zone. I smile all the time. Shit is crazy. So let's jump. Um, living on the one yard line, right? So first quarter. What is the one yard line? Now, for years I've been saying, like I make a lot of sports analogies. Everybody knows I got like I'm a man fan <laughs> of Michael Jordan, man fan. Uh, you know, some you know some other athletes, but primarily Michael Jordan because I have a saying that I, I use a lot, and it's sports is excellence on display, right? So like if you're if you're an attorney or you're an accountant. Or you're a customer service manager. Like, you may be a dope-ass employee, but we don't fucking know what you do. We don't see what you do. I mean, maybe if you go to court sometimes, that shit is mad boring. Nobody wants to watch lawyers do lawyering. You know, you want to watch the little juicy shows. You know, real lawyering ain't nothing like that shit. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the one-yard line is a, a mental uh, state of being, right? Um... In football terms, you know, there's two one-yard lines, you know, your own. And if you're on your own one-yard line, it's it's a precarious situation to be in. Uh, it's, you know, you, you in football terms, you make a mistake. The potential is to give up two points by way of a safety, right? And give up possession of the ball. Uh, now, on the other one-yard line, um, the opponent's one-yard line, I mean, you you are tasting, smelling, seeing glory, you know, and you you have gone potentially 99 yards, and you have a very very uh, small uh, probability of failure, right? But the thing is, that one yard line is where a lot of people quit, right? A lot of people quit. Right before daybreak. A lot of people quit right before they get out the tunnel. So that opponent's one-yard line, and it's a theoretical opponent, right, is just as important as your own one-yard line, right? So let me put it into perspective for you. When you're at your own one-yard line, right, it requires absolute focus and determination, right? Because any small mistake you know, it's failure. And you have to have undeniable belief in yourself. Um, the, the, your own one-yard line is scary, you know, but it's also where you learn who you are and what you the fuck got, you know. And let's be clear, you have very few options at this one-yard line, you know. You can't run all your plays at this one-yard line. You got four, you know, theoretically three downs, very, very few chances to get off of this one-yard line. You know, and at this one yard line, you have to progress forward. You have to, as the sports commentator say, you have to matriculate down the field, right? So, you know, if if you theorize it a little bit, failure at this state may lead you to depression, may lead you to where you was fucked up before. Because right now we're on the one yard line, so we're ready to go. You know, we've, we've dismissed depression. We've healed, you know. Partially, we've healed enough to get up off the ground. We've healed enough to say, you know what? I don't want to be in that fucked up state no more. So I'm going to do, act, say, and believe things that will get me progressing in my life. That's this one yard line. Now, two concepts at this one yard line. I fundamentally believe that we are all the quarterback of our own life. Everybody. We are the operators of the plays. And, you know, we call the cadence for the most part of our life. And we have done so from maybe, let's say, 18 on or whenever you were emancipated from your, you know, caretakers. Theoretically, quarterback of your own life. You run the plays. You, you, you do everything, right? But there's two levels above the quarterback, right? There's the coach... And I'll call it the coach slash GM, right? Where you've taken ownership of your life. And not only can you call plays, but you can direct personnel, 
right? And and this is theoretically where I am, right? I'm I'm at a state uh, in my life where I reject all negative people, forces. You know, even even at work, you know, like I, I don't deal with negativity or I confront it as it, it, almost immediately, right? So even at work, what I do basically um, legal consult, employment law, labor law shit. People call me up with nonsense. I I address it. I beat it the fuck up. That's the coach GM of your life, right? Now, the top level is where you have complete ownership. And we're going to call that Nirvana. You know, that's that's where, you know, you find your top performing people. That's where you that's where you find people that have operated on the one yard line for a very long time and are very comfortable doing so. They make the right decisions, they make call they make the right calls, and they make calls that don't really push them backwards. They may not gain ground, but they don't go backwards. Because theoretically, the one-yard line is about not going backwards. At least this one-yard line, right? Well, both, both. Uh, but it's paramount here. It's, it's, it's the one thing you cannot do. You know, you can operate on the one-yard line and stay there. And you can learn and grow about yourself and gain confidence there. You know, that's it's not a bad thing. You know, people don't have the patience to exercise due care on this one-yard line. Because this is where you this is where you grow internally. You know, through this struggle at the one yard line, you gain supreme confidence, you know. Um, and at this point you have to surround yourself with nothing but assets and no liabilities, you know. I was um I, I do lift a lot, right? So I was in a conversation with a lift driver, or a nigga like me, right? And we were talking about, you know, the nigga Iverson. And how he always had nut-ass niggas around him. And I said, you know, I, I never really understood that whole crew love shit, right? Because you around motherfuckers that are doing shit to really, really damage your whole operation. And once you become a certain professional, a certain... I don't give a fuck if it's sports, non-sports, or whatever. You have to operate like you're your own enterprise. You know, I, I operate like I'm my own fucking business. And that goes and permeates to every decision I make in my life, you know. But, like I said, the, the one-yard line is a, is a mindset. And it's, it's you, you're going to see tangible results, right? But they're, they're not going to be immediate. Understand that. The one-yard line is far from glory. You know what I'm saying? You got 99 motherfucking yards to go before you touch down. So, at this point, you have to adopt and exercise patience, you know, and almost romanticize patience and know that you are the hard worker and you're going to grind it the fuck out, you know? I mean, if you had a 50-yard line mindset, you can open up the playbook, right? Because failure is 50-50 almost. I mean, you fail, you might kick a long field goal, get a couple points, but is that what you really the fuck wanted? Did you want the three or did you want the six, potentially seven? Because the one yard line concept is about the touchdown. It's about true glory. It's about getting what the fuck you want. Now, understand, there's people out there that want the fruit, but they don't want to harvest the land. The one yard line, you got to work all 99 yards, you know? And along the way, there's going to be naysayers. There's going to be people that talk a lot of shit. You know, I've run into them for the last 30 years of my life. Because understand, I, I pretty much always thought this way, but never really articulated it since I was about 12 years old. You know, I, I had an unbelievable, unshakable belief in myself, my abilities, and, and what I could do. But those naysayers, you know, because you recognize kings before they even crown. You recognize people that are on their way up. Before they even get there, you see, you know, and those are people that walk it and talk it, and 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 you gotta say fuck you to them, they say, you know, because everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of this mindset, going those ninety nine yards, you know, on the other side of fear and anxiety, you're going to find courage, 
You're going to find confidence. You're going to trust yourself. Many people don't trust themselves. That's why they are mired in in action. They don't do shit. On the other side of this one yard line, you're going to find clarity. Clarity of purpose. You're going to find me. (laughs) Because that's where I fucking live. I got real estate here. You know? You can't fucking move me now. This is where I'm at. You know? Anecdotally, you ever hear somebody talking about how they graduated college, right? And they're excited. And they should be, right? And you're thinking, you may be thinking to yourself, especially if you're older like me, like, damn, this motherfucker don't even know that's just the beginning. But it, it it's it's the beginning to getting to your purpose. You know, whether it's graduating college or getting a certificate in a particular skill, you know, going to... Uh, you know, uh, hair school, nail tech, mechanic, whatever it is your chosen uh, vocation, you know, that is where the one yard line begins. Once you get that ability, you know, like me being an attorney, it was passing the bar. That was the beginning, right? So, I mean, you, you, you really have to understand that there's going to be the Debbie Downers, the people that are insecure in their own abilities, you know? Because if you adopt this concept, right, you'll understand that people that haven't accomplished much are fucking haters. Like, when you take a step back and you, like, I'm talking about the haters you know. The haters you don't know, they fans, really. They're fans. But the haters you do know, check and see what the fuck their own personal accomplishments are. Be like, yo, because, you know, you got to understand sometimes why people are coming at you. Now, people you don't know, fuck them. I don't even you a fan motherfucker watch me watch me do my thing you know but um the people you do know nine times out of ten highly accomplished people rarely negatively criticize right they may offer insight and even the insight that they give is with a positive spin you know like you talk to an accomplished person you know they'll look at a failure and say nah that wasn't a failure you know, that was part of the progression. That was part of what you needed to learn not to do the next time you step out. You know, and, and they, they really keep a positive mindset. Like, you, you know, and understanding that highly accomplished people help other people accomplish things, too. You know, I mean, I, I, I have one paramount saying, you know, and it's, you know, we're nearing the end. Of, uh, of the first quarter, right? And I said it in the last podcast, and I say it often. Life tried to break me, but it broke me in. I'm confident now because I was marked for death. I was targeted by somebody very close to me. And I had a good year and change of heartache, pain, and questioning myself. And that's a very foreign place for me to be. That wasn't the one yard line. That was the side line. But I fucking survived. Now, you know, we're moving into the second quarter, right? And you're like, all right, well, you define this shit, I guess, you know, a little bit, a little bit. It's a mind state, you know? The way I've articulated it, you may not. But, you know, here in the second quarter, you know, you may be saying, well, why should I even adopt your bullshit-ass mindset? You know what I'm saying? Like, you just kick a lot of shit, my nigga, but why, right? So I'm going to start the second quarter like uh, like this. Um, the other day, my, my, my two baby sons refer to me as Batman, and they're like Robins, right? Excuse me, let me put So, I'm watching the Batman movie with him, the one with Bane, right? And, you know, their commentary is, oh, that's you, daddy, you know. And, um, you know, Bane has the illest quotes, right? And, he, you know, he says one thing that really just shook me at the core, right? He says, victory has defeated you. And I was like, yo, that's some, that, that shit hit me hard. Victory has defeated you. 
I I just internalized that shit because the way I view my life now. I was talking to a friend of mine last night. I saw that when I was reading the movies, and I was you know talking about the podcast. We was, you know shooting shit, catching up, and I was like, yo, I had a good fucking life. Like my parents and my family and, and the friends of like I had a I had a good run for 38 years. So when that trauma hit me, I'm talking about, you know, demotion and continued trauma from, you know, my family situation and, and all that stuff and, and really being wrapped in it. Like that hit me hard as fuck because I was so used to operating at a high level and, and, and overcoming and scoring touchdowns, if you will, that the thought of failure really never crossed my mind. And I never had any plan B's or, or any type of like like support system for falling for, for actually hitting the ground so when I hit the fucking ground that shit was hard as fuck like I think people that personally know me it was odd for them to see me the way I was operating uh, I, I, I mean I was like I was like a concussed you know I, I mean shit was hazy man. but victory defeated me you know I was rock bottom you know how I perceive myself, you know, the person I said that I do to turns stabs me in the back. I'm not even going to mince words. That shit, that shit was the illest portrayal in the world. It was, you know, it was like Brutus and, and Julius Caesar, et tu brute. That shit hurt. You know, taking a demotion for that person. And then the illest part about it was I had six interviews with, you know, within my chain of command and, and people I was trying to rise from. And half the time, I was more qualified than them, right? So I'm like, damn, why can't I rise? And, and really, it just, that wasn't, that wasn't for me. That wasn't my lane. That wasn't my purpose. So here I, here I am. And I'm like, yo, this, this isn't for me. Because understand, when you hit rock bottom, there's basically three types of people in your life. There's the laughing leavers. The people that laugh and they're like, I knew this nigga wasn't shit. All that shit he talked. Fuck them. Fuck them people. And I know who they are now. And I ain't never fucking with you again. Then there's the onlookers. You know. People you kind of know don't really know. They fans. Let them be fans. Whatever. But then there's the special people in my heart. You know. And there's people that really I didn't even expect to show up at that moment. You know. Because that's when you know motherfuckers character. Because best believe, I could argue you down. That could seem like I'm mad at you. But if I respect you and your character, I'll run through a brick wall for you. And those are the people I'm in contact now. Like, I, I may argue a point with you every other time we talk, but that's just who Kyle is. You know that. They know that. But I run through a motherfucking brick wall for them. And, and it's people that I didn't really expect. You know, because, you, you know, when, when, the way I visualize 2017, you know, I'm blacking out. Like I'm done. And I look up and I see them with the laughing leavers. And I'm like, yeah, I knew that motherfucker wasn't shit. And then I see, you know, I see the fans and I'm like, whatever. But the people reaching a hand out to me, fucking special. Special. And when you're talking about love and respect, that's where you find it, you know, in those moments. Because understand, two years ago, I couldn't wrap my mind around doing something like this podcast. If you told me about this, I'd be like, what is a podcast? Why the fuck am I talking about my business? Why would anybody care? What I, I Two years ago, I didn't even really know this type of trauma was out here for people. Like, I was talking to, to, to my homegirl from high school last night. And, you know, she was telling me about her shit. And basically, like, we agree, like, women go through this shit that I'm going through now, like, a good 10 years earlier. Like, all my homegirls was going through shit when we was, like, 30-ish. And I'm like, yo, chicks is crazy. Well, not people crazy. Because now, at 40, and me and my homies, like, all of us, defi- like, all of us going through this shit, right? Man, it's around 40. It just is. And, it, and this ain't, she called it, like, a Sunset Susan or... Syracuse, Saturn, Susan, some shit she called it. She's in the spiritual shit. 
but she knew exactly how I was feeling, what I was talking about. I wasn't even speaking words, and she was just like, I understand, I understand. I'm like, that's some wild shit, you know? But here we are. We on the one-yard line, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm a winner again, you know, because winning is a mindset. Let me say that again. Winning is a mindset. Before you actually, when you got to perceive and believe that you're a winner. Understand that. Before I was running shit at my old job, I saw myself there. So I did the actions and moves and everything was predicated off of getting to that point, you know? But you got to believe that. Not just think. Apologize for the first time I had a little technical difficulty, but <clears throat> getting back into it, you know, um, I, I had a conversation with a, a bank teller, right? I was, you know, part of my plan is, you know, part of the one yard line is multidimensional, personal, spiritual, financial, love, whole whole bunch of stuff, right? But I'm, I'm opening up a credit card as a part of my financial plan to, you know, get my credit back up to a high score, not this middling, mediocre-ass score I'm at now, right? And this woman is dynamic. She's explaining to me all the attributes of the credit card, you know, of course, because this is this is her vocation. This is what she's into. And she's impressing me. You know, understand, people impress me at all levels. If you are about your shit, if you are a 360-degree understanding of your vocation, that impresses me. I don't give a fuck what you do. Hair, mechanic, attorney, accountant. If you choose to learn up and continuously learn about your vocation, you are the shit to me, right? So this, not, not to mention, she was bad as fuck. I ain't gonna front. I mean, we back to the days where bank tellers are bad again. The economy must be good because she was a baddie, but she was smart, right? So I persist to tell her about another opportunity that she may be interested in because she, you know, we had a little bit of personal conversation and her co-worker who I could tell was, you know, a little, hating a little bit. She kept, you know, bopping and interrupting. So I invited her into the conversation. She did, she declined, right? I'm like, whatever. But, you know, I persisted to tell this woman about the other uh, opportunity. And now, you know, because I'm constantly networking. You know, I'm constantly spreading information. I'm about spreading information. You know, I'm, you know, when I was younger, my, my uncle, um, he practices Islam and I remember being very young. He would teach me that one of the tenets of Islam is shared knowledge, right? So I always kind of adopted that shit and, you know, I'm not really religious. I am spiritual and I know we hear this a lot, but I do adopt a lot of teachings from a lot of different faiths. And the one that I've adopted from Islam is shared knowledge. So I, I shared what I knew and, you know, cause she's imparting me with a ton of knowledge in terms of how to really, really approach my credit, things to do, timing, frame, you know. So I, I say that to say that, you know, that one yard line, you got to recognize, even as you are going through your own path, right? Recognize other people that want it and partner up with them, you know? Cause those moments where you may just be Exhausted, they you know, seeing and watching other people perform, it gives me joy. When I hear other people talking shit and performing, it gives me joy. When I hear people talking and, and walking in, in, in glory, that I love that shit. I love the Deion Sanders, I love my athletes, I love regular people to talk shit. Even if it's you know, I, you know, women I talk to, I'm beautiful. I don't I'm like, yo, talk that talk, mommy, talk it. I love that shit. You know, but as I was saying before, the one yard line is where you find self-love. It's where you find self-love. You know, it's a total disregard of fear, a total disregard of anxiety, dread, panic. But most importantly, it's a disregard of, at this point, materialism, because for my personal journey, I had to get rid of a lot of 
material inclinations. Now, people say, no, you didn't. I did. I, I, I love, you know, Jordans. I love nice cars. I love a lot of things, right? But early last year, I gave up my car. I had a 2017 Impala. I bought it in particular because it was pushing the 305, right? And it was cheap. <laughs> it was a Chevy, you know? At the time, like, a lot of the uh, young chicks I was dating, they was, like, impressed with it. And I'm like, damn, this is a Chevy, mommy, like, for real. But it impressed me. It impressed me because, you know, it was a cheap 305, and I don't really fuck with Chrysler. So, you know, I'm, I'm a Chevy guy. So I went that route. But... You know, understand that the one year all out is a mentality. And it's a mentality where I genuinely believe I hold pole position, right? So anybody who's into to race cars and NASCAR or whatever, they know what pole position is. And for those that don't, pole position is the most favorable, favorable position on the track. It's where you can set the motherfucking pace. And best believe I'm mashing that fucking pedal. I'm not letting up. So if you're competing with me, I don't even fucking know because you're behind me, right? And if you're competing with me, you better be ready to go all out. Because I am. I'm fulfilling my purpose and I'm reaching my goals. And if your goals are the same as mine, good luck to you. Good luck, motherfucker. Good luck. Because I manage stress very well now. It's almost a total disregard of stress. I look at situations, I mean, even right now, you know, I'm not technical. I fucked up the podcast potentially. I jumped right back in it. Hopefully I'll fix the problem. We'll see. If not, I'll get it corrected. But understand, at both ends of the one-yard line is where you confront fear and you address your own personal issues head on. Because if you don't address your own personal issues, you can't move, you can't progress. If you can't address your own bullshit, your own toxicity, sidebar. <clears throat> IG is a platform for many things for many people, right? But the one thing I never understood about IG is when people go into other people's Instagrams to question or you know, address their motives for, for what they post, right? Because if, if you look at somebody's post and say, oh, they're insecure, maybe you don't fucking know. Maybe they're, they have an undeniable belief in themselves. Maybe they've accomplished a, a, a weight loss goal. And fuck it, they want to put the bikini on and, and get, you know, 400 likes. Fuck it. Why, why is that an issue with you? I never question that. I love that shit. That's why I spread joy. I, and I, I do like a lot of people. Sometimes I like a post that has a high number just because I want your post to get even higher. That shit is just dope to me. But I'm I'm a weirdo, right? So you're sitting there, you're like, well, what are your issues? Oh, shit. I'm authentic as fuck. And I'm not afraid of me. Do I still got issues? Yeah, but the issues that I overcame, I wanted to feel important. And, you know, before that was, I wanted the world or my micro world to think I was important. And some of that lingers. But now I've, I've kind of, you know, segmented it. And really, there's only four people that I really want to be important to now. We know who those four people are. You know, I wanted to feel needed. I, I am needed. I know that. You know, I, I have children. I have people that depend on me day in, day out. I want a purpose. My trauma has led me to my purpose. You know, that's why I I I, I love the bullshit I went through now. Like I, I I almost embrace it as a, a, a needed part of my progression. Because without it, I may have maintained my mediocre status. You know, you, you people think, oh you're a lawyer, you make six figures. Well shit, six figures wasn't my goal. I was talking with a friend the other day, and uh, she worked. She just started a new job. She works at a company where she's telling me about the owner. She's impressed with the guy, but he's kind of, kind of shady. I, I gather, and he makes 
$23 million. Or more, potentially, because she runs the books. And I'm like, shit, goddamn. <laughs> that's where the fuck I'm trying to be in that strategy. But if I don't get there, it's not a big deal, because I'm going for it. And that's all I really want out of my life, is to go for it. I may never reach any of my goals, but I'm going for them. And I'm good, I'm good with that. Personally, I'm good with that. You know, because I meet a lot of people and they're like, oh, you're an attorney. Because if you've seen me on Instagram, I don't really look like an attorney. Um, and they're shocked. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, they always go into that. Oh, I always wanted to be. And I'm like, well, why didn't you? I don't say that, but I think it. Like, go for it, motherfucker. Go for it. You know, you telling me you always wanted to be and you're not making the steps, you a fan. You're on the sideline. I'm on, the, I'm on this one yard line. Sometimes I'm on mine, sometimes I'm on the opponents. But I'm on the field now. And I'm, I'm ready for action at all times. You know? I'm, I'm not in competition with anybody anymore. I used to compete with everybody. But what I've come to realize is that me competing with others potentially is going to wind up in my shortcomings. You know? Because uh, working for the government, right? It's all based on these grades, and people are like, you know, define you by your grade. So, three, four years ago, I wanted to be a GS-15. <laughs> GS-15s make $160,000. Fucking peanuts. And I know a lot of people out there are like, really, peanuts? Yeah, it's comfortable. You know, you can manage it right. You know, you'll retire pretty good. But I don't want that, man. That shit is mediocre. Especially for those of us who, like when you go to law school and you actually, you know, take the LSAT and, you know, go through the bullshit, the, the I, mean, I call it the gauntlet of law school, right? And then you go through the extra bullshit of taking the bar. $160,000 ain't the fucking reward for the bullshit you went through. So understand, I'm no longer settling for less. And... Like I said before, I may not get to Nirvana, but I'm going for it. You know, I'm going to get what I want. You know, small caveat. I don't understand why a lot of females don't approach men. And I'm, I'm, I'm deviating a little bit because piggybacking off of you're a good woman, right? If you believe that you are a good woman and you have value, go get the motherfucker you want. Because most accomplished men, they'll they'll be shocked at first, amazed, and then really, really respect the fuck out of that. So, for any females, you know, that are single and and really believe that they're a good woman, like, go get that nigga. Go get him. But, um, you know, like I said before, in, in probably the first podcast, set a 36 month plan right and the wildest part is as I make this podcast now I still got a 36 month plan right because I I spoke on it before how I'm basically like a year and some change out and I've made a ton of fucking progress but through that I learned that I need to to reevaluate and reassess you know because this podcast was made and born from the disallowance of mediocrity, mediocre life, mediocre experiences, mediocre cars, mediocre friends, everything, you know, I don't go out to just go out anymore, I go out with purpose, you know, do I enjoy myself, hell yeah, but I go out with purpose, I don't feel I need to just be out every Friday and Saturday, and I've, I've kind of transitioned to where I'm probably only going to go out Thursdays and Sundays, because I found that the a helps my schedule, allows me to see my kids more, and <clears throat> the things that I want to do are predicated around that, that schedule, you know. And that was from trial and error. I was going out, going out, you know. So, you know, but but the the, the crux of it all is that winners make adjustments, not excuses. And I'm going to say that again. Winners make adjustments. And not excuses. It's funny because I had a dream a couple days ago. 
And, you know, both my parents were deceased. My dad died when I was 12. You know, my mom died when I was 25. <clears throat> I dream about my mom a lot. I miss my mom daily. Sometimes I'll just fucking cry sitting at my, in my office or just whatever. Just thinking about my mom because my mom never saw me as a lawyer. And, you know, me being an attorney is my parents' dream. And I've fulfilled their dream. But what I've come to realize is that I can't, I can't live for the deceased. And I have a friend, Izzy. She's going through it because she lost her, her father recently. And I understand everything she's going through. But I, I don't like to project how I feel because other people feel differently, right? But what I do want to say is that through that trauma, because it is trauma, and it built on my, my trauma that I went through. You know, it was a progressive trauma that I didn't recognize until shit hit the fan. But losing a lot of my loved ones, losing, as my man Chris in the gym would say, Team Kyle, <clears throat> I learned that you can't live for other people. You know, what your parents wanted you to be is fine, but fuck that. And you definitely can't live for the dead. That ain't going to that's the end of the second book right there. Now, moving into the third quarter. You know, like I said, it's a mentality. You know, so you have to weave this into every fiber of your life. You know, as I make this podcast, I'm still transitioning. But the third quarter is really about how the fuck. You know, you defined it for me, good buddy. And you told me why. But how? And I'm going to tell you how I did it, right? So, first thing I did was I educated myself on trauma, on PTSD, on, you know, recovery, things of that nature. I did that for a good year. That's all I really did. I, you know, I read about, you know, narcissistic abuse. It's what I went through. It's what I went through. As a man, yes, that's what I went through. Now, understand what I felt I needed to do was look at winners in different contexts, right? So, of course, I study athletes. Jordan, you know, when he came out of North Carolina, he was a high-flying dude, high-scoring, you know. And I said, well, what did he do to maintain the high-scoring because his game transitioned? Well, what he did is he took better care of his body, Took better care of his mental, right? Because understand, him him retiring wasn't him quitting. It was him recuperating. You know, because remember, he retired after he lost his father. That trauma, he felt as though he couldn't continue. He probably couldn't. You know, if somebody has lost special people, that shit is hard, you know? And he, he, he physically and mentally... Recovered by playing baseball. So he kept active, but it wasn't in his purpose, right? So then when he revisits his purpose, he's now recharged. But he's taking care of his body by staying active. He's taking care of his competitive nature by staying active. Because we all know he's absolutely sucked at baseball. But he stayed active, right? And then I studied a person that I personally don't like, but I respect their craft. And that's Floyd Mayweather, right? And I think because his father was a boxer, he was kind of born into it. He realized early that he had to be a tactician and take care of his body. So Floyd stays pretty healthy and in boxing shape year-round. Like, I think Floyd could, like, train for six weeks and step into the ring. You know, where the other... Boxes need like three, four months to get ready, right? And and with his style and how he's taking care of himself, he could probably legitimately fight until he's 50 years old, right? And then I studied Ali. And I said, well, shit. Ali's first loss was outside the ring. And he kept his competitive nature by sticking to his high character principles, right? 
So that's when I learned that you have to develop a format, a plan. And that's what this one yard line is. It's my format. It's my plan. So whether things go wrong in this area, that area, or whatever, I know my principles. I know my character. And I never deviate from them. And I set the course for my life. So that when he got back in the ring and had to regain the title the first time, he already was that person. Because remember, we know kings before they're crowned. We know accomplished people before they get to where they're at. We recognize them. We see them. We feel their energy. So I knew I had to adopt that. Now, what did I do? First thing I did, I was alone a lot. And I, I got this recommendation from many people. And I didn't understand at first. But then I came to realize, I need to get to like me again. And I can't bounce my, you know, self-worth off of getting bad checks. Because 2017, I want the fuck off, man. I was doing a lot of nut shit. If anybody else followed me back then, they seen that shit. You know, I was... Posting shorties on IG that I was dating. Like, now I post, and it's just, <laughs> really, I post for laughs, because the shit that happens in my DM after I post is absolutely hilarious. And I, you know, I'm really not, you know, dating or doing anything, so I don't know why people pop in my DM with their fucking opinions. But, um, but I, I do find those women attractive, like, that's not fun. But, uh, and I was alone a lot. And, and a lot of my friends, male, and, and the wild thing is with my male friends, like, I had homies from, like, middle school, you know, they chime in, and it was like, yo, you, know, you need to, like, really, like, it's corny, but, like, you need to date yourself, so then, when you start dating other people, you have this self-awareness and, and, and confidence that is more finite, so I was taking myself to the movies, sitting in restaurants by myself, like, I remember the first time I went out, I think I went to, like, Friday's. And, you know, Friday is just a date spot, you know, for a lot of people, you know. And I'm sitting there Fridays, and it's like a Friday or Saturday, and Shorty looking at me like, is somebody meeting you? I'm like, nah, excuse me. Don't you want to sit at the bar? Nah, I'm going to sit. You know, give me a booth, matter of fact. And <clears throat> through that, I learned about myself. I learned patience. I learned to be uncomfortable and be cool with it. That's, that's kind of a comfortable thing. But... You know, a very important thing, I had to be honest with myself, you know, and within the framework, and if, if I want to get the best, I can't, I have to be the best, I can't be a mediocre person, you know, so like, I'm not dating now, because think about where I'm at, I'm a father of four, with four kids in four distinctly different phases of their life, preschool, elementary school, middle school, and high school. Four different sets of teachers, four different schools, four different responsibilities, right? And that's my, that's my primary purpose, right? You know, in terms of my day-to-day. My overarching is different. But I'm also still trying to grow professionally, right? This ties into it, you know, in, in some respect, you know, because... I'm my own enterprise, and this is how I speak on me. This is how I get myself out there, right? But then there's my my day job. I make 99% of my money. I still practice on the side, you know, predominantly in New Jersey, mostly DUI, you know. Uh, So dealing with me right now probably isn't the best for any woman. You know, I I have very little time. You know, as, as I've said before, old heads say a lot. All I got for you is hard dick and bubble gum. And, you know, I ran out of bubble gum before, but I got some more. So I do got hard dick and bubble gum. But realistically, I couldn't build with somebody right now. I'm, I'm still working on me. And I'm cool with that for the first time in my life. For the first time in my life, my self-worth isn't based on getting bad bitches. Bad looking bitches, I should say. Because I still want a bad bitch, however you want to term it. But 300, I'm talking about looking, thinking, speaking, everything. Everything. And they're out there. 
I know him. They just married up or, you know, whatever. As men, we recognize great things. Trust me. Trust me. For, for us. You know, like, I'm sure there are women out there that would love to be with their circumstances were different. But sometimes your circumstances, you know, guide how you have to execute, how you have to quarterback. You know, if, if you don't have a big arm, you got to call plays where, you know, you're not exposed. If you're, if you're short, you know, you got to roll out. You know, people that know football know what I'm talking about. But another thing I did is I started to really focus and hone my craft. You know, um, just a little insight. I'm transitioning, you know, trying to get into some, some career coaching, you know, mediation, uh, things of that nature. Um, I'm reading up on that constantly. One hour a day I dedicate to honing my craft. I offer everybody to do that. Hone your craft however you do it. You know, um, there's a financial piece, you know, because I'm going to live a certain lifestyle predicated on traveling. You know, I, I like to look good, you know, because the funny thing is when I was like this family man thing, like I, I really have a thing against khaki, so I like didn't go that far down, but like my pants were ill-fitting and, you know, I would just buy, you know, I would buy a bunch of shirts from Macy's when they went on sale, dress shirts and a sport jacket or whatever. Put it on, whatever. My homie was like, nah, nigga, you can buy whatever, but you got to get your shit tailored up. That shit got to work for you. If you buying off the rack, at least pay for a good tailor. So, you know, that's the shit I'm on now. But, um, you know, my financial plan is, is really a lot of the focus this year. Uh, my health... You have to get your health. You have to be mentally and physically prepared for the one-yard line. Because it's tough. It's not for the, the faint of heart. You know, most of the people are not even going to get on the one-yard line. So they're not going to reach the other one-yard line. And they're fans. You know? And and I hate to say it, law averages 9 out of 10 people listening to this podcast. If, if, if 40 people listen to this podcast... Most likely four are going to get on that, that that one yard line. It is what it is. Some people want to listen just to listen. Some people want to get inspired. You know, I had a homie. He didn't even know I had a podcast because the algorithm on IG is funny. Like, I don't know what they do, but sometimes you don't see people's shit for like weeks. And I, I saw one of his, and he was doing something great and something dope to me. And I congratulated him on it. Because he's like, he's getting into acting. Right? He got some gigs. And that's just like kind of wild. And he's like, you know, I'm like, yo, if you want, just listen to my podcast. And he actually did. And he hit me up like, yo, you might have saved lives with that first one, my nigga. And I never really thought about that. But if I'm inspiring people to want to be better, that's fucking dope. Now I understand on the one yard line. And on the field in general, I treat every yard like it's my first and last. That's why I call it the one-yard line. If you operate with due care and you execute, because see, earlier in my life, I was a showboat. I was a like I was a fucking stud, right? But like those athletes I studied, you recognize Father Tom can't be beat. He's undefeated. And you get older, but you get better. I'm fucking better. So I I take account of every yard. I'm precise. I execute. Before I could throw a bomb, I could take bigger risks. Then give a fuck if I was where my position was on the field. I'm taking the risk. And ultimately, that's what brought me down. You know, I took the risk. I commuted two and a half, three hours to D.C. Two, two and a half, three hours back. Five hour commute daily. You know, it, it, it was part of the reason my my personal life broke down. You know, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that now. I'm glad I did it then because I went for it. And then remember, I've always had this mentality. I couldn't articulate, it. but now I realize, my nigga, you can't throw 80 yard bombs no more. It's not your game. 
But I'm going to go 100. I'm going to get there. The vehicle is just a little different. You know, the arm's not as strong. The mind is sharper, more knowledgeable. Got better people around me. The personnel is better around me. Because remember, I'm the GM now. I'm putting better people around me. You can't join my team if you're bringing toxicity. You can't join my... You can't join Team Kyle with bullshit. And you got to want it. You know? There's a lot of good women out there. But if they don't want it, they can't be... And that, you know... Take it as you want. But I'm looking for that Michelle Obama category because I want it and more. And the person that's with me got to want it. And they got to understand that we got to exclude the bullshit, the toxicity. We got to exclude all that. You know? Understand that, you know, in reality, if you're the GM, you can make those calls now. You know what I'm saying? Like, loyalty to people that are damaging your life is nonsense to me. I don't understand it. I mean, one of the last tenets of the one-yard line in, in the third quarter and how you can really execute is to spend time only with people that love and respect you. You know? Do, do I think my ex loves me? Yes. We have two kids together. We share it a lot. Does she respect me? No. I mean, she gonna love me. I'm Kyle motherfucking Bosquet. <laughs> Many women love me. <laughs> but that don't mean they respect you. That don't mean they respect what you do. That don't mean, doesn't mean they respect your thoughts. So you gotta find a person that respects you too. Love is an action. You spend a great deal of time around somebody, you'll love them. Don't mean you'll respect them. You know, you have a conversation with somebody and you disagree. Are they attacking you? Or are they saying, hey, listen, I hear you. And I may even understand where you're coming from. I don't agree with it, but I understand why you think that way. As opposed to, nah, you're a fucking dummy. That shit sounds stupid. Like, nah, I exit. You can't even share my, my, my air. You can't, you can't even be in the, in the DM, texting me, FaceTime. Nah, don't. Nah. We can disagree all day, but you're not going to attack me. And that leads into the last how, really, that I think is how I initially got up off the ground, is that I just started thinking positively. And I always spoke positively. Yesterday, like, you know how I'm like the urban fucking traveler, right? Like I gave up the car. I still got the Monte Carlo. Monte Carlo is hidden at this time, parked up, getting repaired, potentially, hopefully soon, because we got some issues we want to address with the Monte. I'm on a bus yesterday, and it's like 8 o'clock, so I don't know why, why homie was drunk, but this drunk dude gets on the bus, sits near me. And I got the tan overcoat on. And I don't know, something about that tan coat. Like, that shit is just... Like, I have on, like, jeans and a sweater and put the tan coat on. That shit is like... That shit takes my whole shit to a whole nother level. As my niece would say, you know, my fit be looking right. But um, he gets on, he's like, yo, that's a, that's a fly coat. I'm like, thank you. So he's a drunk dude. And I could tell my energy is intimidating to him. Because there's a couple other people on the bus. And he, I guess, you know, people just want to be the center of attention or, you know, whatever. So I'm sitting there. And he's talking some nonsense. But at the same time, I'm texting my daughter. Because she, she's going through softball uh, practices. And he, he's like, yo, you know, you're not even listening. And I, you know, I'm like, you know, excuse me now. I'm not listening. I'm texting my daughter. You know, I apologize. You know, what's your name? You know, I, I took a, I always take an approach of humbleness and because like, I'm not threatened by this dude. Like, he's like maybe like at best 220 pounds. He's like skinny. Like, I'll, I'll fucking wreck his whole shit. I mean, if he got a hammer, you know, he's too drunk. I'm going to smack this shit out of his hand. I'm not, you know, I'm not even tough. Like, I, I just, I bounce for so long that I know how to disarm shit. But, um, you know, he's like, and then like a yawn. He's like, yo, that was a fake ass yawn. 
So, you know, I'm like, you know, sorry, homie, I didn't, I didn't catch your name. You know, he tells me his name, I tell him my name. I'm like, good to meet you, man. I say, you, you know, you going to be okay getting home? He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I kind of disarmed him, and he was shocked because I wasn't going back at him. But see, if I was going back at him, I would perceive him as a threat in competition. I never did. Because see, on that one-yard line, remember, you're executing. And you've cut the bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Like on the one-yard line, you know, you know, they're not going to most likely put themselves in a position to, to for you to gain leverage. So, you know, if, if you do something that disarms somebody, they, they're almost in a state of shock and then execution is easy. You know, I, all I wanted to do was get the fuck off the bus without getting into something, getting the cops involved or whatever. That's all I want to do is get to the movies. And that's like a really, that's like a really crappy example. But it was so recent that I had to kind of bring it up because on the one yard line, you got to get rid of bullshit because bullshit's going to come at you, you know? A friend of mine, a new friend, you know, uh, uh, somebody, she, she's a, a very smart, accomplished attorney, and, you know, she's also very sexy, very beautiful, and she posts pictures displaying this, and somebody goes in, attacks her, and she's like, why do people attack me? And I'm like, people attack you because they're intimidated, you know, people, people want to know, are you going to back down? And you could confront them if it's worth it. But usually, at the point I'm at, disarming them, and, you know, it's almost like a fan running on the field. <laughs> you know, it's like, yo, get this motherfucker out of here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm here to, to execute my plan. This shit is worthless. You know, I'm going to obviously step over that like, like you, Tyrone Luke. But, um, now that's in the third quarter. Fourth quarter, very short, very sweet. You know, you're you're at your opponent's one yard line. It's time to score. This is where at your highest peak you've learned, you've grown, you've learned about yourself. You have self-awareness. And again, you gotta treat every yard like it's your first, like it's your last. And you can see and smell glory. You know? couple memes I posted last week. The first one was, your life can change in a year, but you have to love yourself enough, discipline yourself, and be brave to forego simple, immediate pleasures for long-term, sensitive value. And that is, that sums up the one yard line. And, you know, I've noticed lately that one you know, it, it used to go for me like this before, right? So I step into the, a room. I step into my work building, which is a large federal building. I step into a courthouse. I step into the cafe. People take notice. And it's always going to be because of your energy. This isn't just me. Anybody can adopt this mentality. You can exude confidence. People are going to gravitate to you. Some are going to gravitate negatively. But a lot of people are going to gravitate positive. And you got to decipher which is which. Because my goal is to touch as many people positively. You know? Like I said before, on the other side of pain is where you're going to find your purpose. It's where you're going to become great. You know? After this podcast, I really want to know who's going to keep going. My trauma was built up over years. My father died when I was 12. You know, at that time I was learning how to shave. I was becoming a young man. You know, there were certain man lessons that, you know, a boy only can learn from his father. 1991, on Thanksgiving, he died. Two days before my birthday. My mother died six weeks after I donated my kidney to her. Broke my heart. And I probably still haven't healed from that. You know, my paralysis wasn't even that big a deal to me. My wife turning her back on me for no reason, you know, was the last straw. Like I said before, life tried to break me. It broke me in. 
Right now, we got one yard to go. And I'm not giving up. I'm never giving up. Like I said, I was a showboat. I had the big arm. But now, I'm like, I'm like my man Peyton Manning. Those last couple years when he, you know, the one year he lost the Super Bowl, the next year he won. Well, he wasn't the same Peyton physically, but mentally he was dissecting teams all year. And even when he got to that second Super Bowl and won, I think he had 100-something yards passing. But he knew what he needed to do to win. And I can guarantee you it was some form of the one-yard mentality, living on that one-yard line, you know. Everything that has been applied at this point and learned and digested should be amplified now. And it's time to score. Thank you.